0: So the reading is Genesis 39 and 40. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favour in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled, and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household, and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me, and fled, and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant who you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in prison but the lord was with joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison and the keeper of the prison put joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison whatever was done there he was the one who did it the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in joseph's charge because the lord was with him And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offence against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. And one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we have had dreams and there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there were three branches. As soon as it budded and its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should have put me into this pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favourable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him.
1: Thanks, Hannah. Much, um, much praise. Sorry, there. Um, this, ser- this series in Genesis, we're getting some quite, there's some quite long readings, but you kind of need to read the whole thing to kind of get the context. So uh, well done for reading, Hannah, and well done, everyone, for hanging in there. Um, let's pray as we come to God's word together. Lord, we pray this afternoon that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things uh, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to start off with a thought experiment. It might be a bit, a bit more discomforting to some uh, than others, depending on your party allegiances, but I want you to imagine being Boris Johnson, and particularly being Boris Johnson for the last 12 months. Because let's face it, apart from any other things, what a roller coaster ride he's had. He's gone from the heights of winning the Conservative leadership and becoming Prime Minister last July, down to the depths of huge divisions in his party and being on the brink of a no-deal Brexit last autumn, then back to the heights of a landslide general election victory in December, Uh, back to the depths in March with the sudden onset of COVID-19, and his own brush with death then back to the heights again with the recovery of his health and the um the birth of his baby wilfred and frankly who who knows what's coming next for him on covid19 or brexit or anything else for that matter if you if you were boris johnson you could be forgiven for wondering to yourself what's coming next in life And I think the same applies to all of us, uh, no doubt in in different ways over the past six months in particular, because this this totally unexpected crisis has stopped all of us in our tracks. And so many of the things that we just so naturally took for granted have been taken away from us. In many cases, it's been our health, our wealth, our our ability to be with loved ones, or all our normal day-to-day freedoms, and tragically even the very lives of those dear to us during this time and all of this surely must have made made us ask the question how do i cope with this unpredictable roller coaster of life and in genesis 39 and 40 i I think we've got a really encouraging answer in the life of joseph because just just think about what happens to him he goes down to the depths of being having had a you know fairly nice stable family upbringing suddenly he then gets sold by his own brothers to into slavery in Egypt Uh, then he gets shot back up to the heights of being chief of staff to Potiphar who was effectively sort of head of the Egyptian military at the time then we see him go back to the depths of being falsely accused and being thrown into prison and then in chapter 41 next week that we'll look at we see him catapulted back up to the heights again of being pro- effectively prime minister of Egypt. So, like, here is a roller coaster life, a ride through life, if ever there was one. And yet, did you all know, did you notice that theme in um, chapter 39 that keeps repeating? The Lord was with Joseph. Uh, it repeats about four times, I think. He was with him when he was in the heights in um, Potiphar's house. So verse verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And God was also with him in the depths in prison. So verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. Verse 23, the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it, it succeed. So it's, it's a very powerful theme that the Lord was with Joseph in all the ups and the downs of his life. The powerful love of God was with him. And this week and next, I want us just to see the difference that this powerful love of God makes in the roller coaster life of Joseph. Because in 39, when he's on the up, we see him face sexual temptation in Potiphar's house. In chapter 40, when he's on the down again, right down in prison, he faces the temptation to despair and in chapter 41, when he's on the up again with Pharaoh, he faces the temptation of power. And so uh, I want to see how the powerful love of God can make all the difference to us too, when we face uh, these same kind of challenges in different ways in our own lives. So the so the first heading just to, to look at is, th- is chapter 39, uh, sexual temptation that he faces. In verse 40 in verse 4 of chapter 39 Potiphar who's captain of the guard um, head of the whole Egyptian army he's made Joseph his chief of staff Joseph has become very powerful and verse 6 also tells us that he's well built and he's handsome so he's got he's got good looks he's got a great body he's got power no wonder he caught the eye of Potiphar's wife and it would have been so easy for him to just to go to bed with her. And it wasn't just a one-off temptation. Verse 10 tells us that she kept on at him day after day. And he would have been very alive to the fact that by, just by resisting her, he was storing up trouble for himself at some stage in the future that she would find a way of bringing him down. So he might well have been tempted, frankly, just to give in. Uh, and to keep the happy status quo of his position so why does he resist why does he resist well it's the end of verse 9 i think gives us the answer how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god now do you see how acutely aware joseph here is of god as a real as a real person who he would be sinning against that the God of the Bible is not some impersonal moral rule of the universe. He is a person who has created us and who has rescued us at great personal and infinite personal cost to himself. So to go to bed with Potiphar's wife wasn't to violate some moral convention. In fact, it was quite normal for the slaves of the time to do exactly this. But actually for Joseph, it would be to slap God in the face the God he knew who had already loved him so powerfully. Um, It would be like that pilot. I've just seen that film 1917 recently. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, there's a scene in there where a pilot um, crash lands in a plane and his life is saved from this crash landed plane. And then he immediately turns around and stabs his rescuers in the chest. And it would be like that it would just be that personal kind of you've been rescued and then you turn around and um, attack your rescuer and other world religions and secular psychology will tell us that the way to control our desires is to look inward we, we look inward at our own willpower and um, self-control that's that's the way to control our desires but the bible fascinating is very different it tells us to look outward to the supremely loving person of God who's already loved us with a love that is greater than any love or desire that we can have in this life. And um, the lifelong commitment of marriage is, is one example of a reflection of this love of God. And yet even the best marriages are flawed and never get close to the perfect love of God that keeps on Perfectly loving us, even though we don't deserve it. See, God's love is supreme. Once we discover it, we know that it's better than any other love. And actually, thinking about it, the Christian knows so much more of this supreme love of God than Joseph knew at the time, because the supreme love of God was fully revealed in Jesus Christ. So as the apostle uh, John writes in his first letter... Um, chapter 4 verse 10 this is love not that we loved god but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins the god who made the universe loves us so much that he, he came to give his life for us see this love is so special so supreme it it does have the power to rule over all our other loves and desires that we experience in the roller coaster of life. And you can see that Joseph clearly was so captivated by this supreme love of God that he knew it was worth giving up everything to hold on to. So I think that the question for us that we must ask ourselves this afternoon is well, first of all, do we know this supreme love of God, the, the love that has the power to? master all other loves or is it perhaps a, a love that we remember was very powerful to us uh, perhaps when we first came to christian faith or other times in our life but if we're honest it feels like it's waned uh, more recently or perhaps for a long time well i think for for those of us in that category let's please remember that the the power to live the christian life comes not from looking inwards to our own willpower and self-control it comes from turning outwards and trusting in that powerful love of God who keeps on loving us despite our failures now Joseph here is just he's been tested when he's on the up and now we're going to see in chapter 40 he's tested in a in a different way when he's on the down so that's the, our second point this afternoon the temptation to despair now in verse from verse 20 of chapter 39 onwards to the end of chapter 40 joseph is definitely on a downer he's gone all the way from being chief of staff to the head of the egyptian military to being in prison he is in proper lockdown and there are no signs of any easing of restrictions for him by the end of chapter 40 you see his hopes getting briefly raised when the cupbearer is restored to Pharaoh's service. And Joseph would have been hopeful that the chief cupbearer would put in a good word with him, with Pharaoh. But instead, in verse 23 of chapter 40, you see, uh, you see it written there the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And you can imagine Joseph thinking to himself at this point, where is God? I mean, I've been in prison for years now. And what's more, I've served God faithfully. I've done all the right things, and he lets all this bad stuff happen to me. And I I wonder if you can identify with that. Have you ever been tempted to think like that? Because these hard times like this reveal the true character of our faith. They reveal whether, basically whether our, our faith is about God, or is it actually just about ourselves? Because when we say something like, I've served God faithfully, so why does he let all this bad stuff happen to me? What we, what we reveal then, I think, is that our Christian faith is, is basically about what God owes me. It's about God pleasing me rather than me pleasing God. So you know, here, here's a question for us. Do we have a God-centered faith or a me-centered faith? Because in the midst of his prison lockdown in chapter 40, there are two different ways that Joseph can look. He can can look inwards to himself in self-pity and disappointment. And frankly, there are a lot of reasons for him to do that, given his situation. Or he can look outwards to God. And it's easy to miss the strangeness of that repeated statement that comes at the beginning of his time in prison, verses 21 and 23 that the Lord was with him, showed him steadfast love and gave him success in all he did. Now, I don't know about you, but I would define success in prison as getting out of prison straight away. I mean, it just doesn't make sense giving him success in all he did. It doesn't make sense unless God is using Joseph's time in prison to work out his perfect purposes in the long term. And let's just take a step back for a moment, because we do know the long term in the Joseph story. His time in prison turns out to be the springboard to catapult him straight into Pharaoh's inner circle, to become prime minister of Egypt, and to be the saviour, not only of his own family, but also his country, and in fact the entire region in the future from famine and disaster. Now, of course, God could have chosen to his, achieve his purposes uh, through Joseph in, in any number of ways, but he chose this one. I'm sure it's not the way that Joseph would have f- chosen, frankly, or the timetable either. But as we, as we read on through the chapter, we see that God does prove himself to be powerful and loving in the life of Joseph. And Joseph does trust God, even when he can't see the end of the story. And we have, a, we have a sign of that in verse 8 in chapter 40, when you can see that he's clearly still trusting in the sovereign power of God over all things, including uh, the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. He's still looking to God. Uh, and when Joseph finally gets the call up out of prison in chapter 41, he's still trusting in God to keep him when he's suddenly brought in before Pharaoh. So, the example of Joseph shows us that God does keep his people through the roller coaster of life, through the good times and through the hard times. But we also have the, the ultimate Joseph in, in whom to put our trust as well the one who was God himself in human flesh, the one who lived the perfect life, the one who resisted all temptation. And yet he was also unjustly betrayed to his undeserved death. And at that point, it all looked utterly hopeless. And yet, like Joseph, Jesus uh, also had a re- resurrection. And it wasn't just a political resurrection like Joseph had. Jesus' resurrection was from death to eternal life. And his resurrection is evidence that god is not only powerful to to keep us through the hard times in life but his resurrection also shows us that god is powerful to to deliver us from the greatest threat that we all face which is death itself so as as we come to a close this lunchtime how do we cope with the unpredictable roller coaster of life like joseph did well, I think we need, to, we need to know the supreme love of God that surpasses all other loves that we'll ever experience in this life. We need to know that God is powerful and faithful to work out his good purpose in our lives, even when we can't see the uh, end of it in the present. And that God is powerful to bring us to eternal life in Christ. So why why don't I pray now uh, to God that he would help us, help us to do just uh, that, to remember those things. So let's pray together. Almighty God, our heavenly father, we thank you that you were with Joseph through all the ups and downs of his life. I pray particularly for those of us who are experiencing hard times uh, in our lives at the moment. Please help us to, to know you more deeply and clearly in, this, in the life of Joseph, and may he be an encouragement to us how you kept him, but even more in the, in the life of our ultimate Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that he suffered rejection, betrayal and, and death for us. He was resurrected for us so that we might have the full assurance of your powerful love for us in this life, but also all the way into eternity. And it's in his powerful and loving name that we pray to you this afternoon. Amen.